Welcome to episode 79. Today, Dr. Katie Tapo joins us to talk about how to start teacher collaboration from scratch. Welcome to the Teaching Multilingual Learners podcast. This podcast celebrates teachers who answer the calling to serve multilingual students and their families. Your beautiful smile, your beautiful life are waiting for you to shine bright. It's never too early or late to start to rise up and shine. Your beautiful smile, your beautiful life are waiting for you to shine bright. It's never too early or late to start to rise up and shine. If you are a language specialist who's interested in co-teaching, but teacher collaboration is not a formal part of your school, what can you do? This was Dr. Katie's Tapo's experience. In this episode, she will share how she began working with homeroom teachers on behalf of language learners, even though co-teaching with the language specialist was not a service previously offered at her school. Yes, co-teaching can start at the grassroots level. Dr. Katie Tapu will inspire you and show you how. Now, on to today's podcast. Today with us is the one and only Dr. Katie Topple. You are the co-founder of ELL Chapel Club, and I would say that you are actually like the the fire in it. I'm just a small kindle in 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 the inferno that is Katie Topple, a writer, um, your aspiring author, you're a blogger. You do so much for our community and people are like, yes, Katie, welcome to the podcast. And would you tell us about your context? Sure. I am a K-5 ELD specialist out of Oregon. And I am a former, not currently adjunct professor at Portland State University, um, teaching courses in their ESOL endorsement series. Um, and in my in my daily job, I'm currently co-teaching in kindergarten and first grade, just those two grade levels. And in past years, I've done a mixture of different grade levels of co-teaching and pull-out instruction for English learners at my school. And added on to that, I know that sometimes you get invited to contribute chapters in lots of people's books. You appear so much in the books that we read. You appear in Larry's book, you appeared in um, Andrew's book several times. And you, in one of the chapters that you're writing for Andrew in the future is about your story about um, creating a collaborative relationship with your teachers from nothing, where your school yeah. had no uh, formal teacher collaboration um, relationships. And you just started that. And then you wrote about that. Andrea, Ash, Andrea and Maria asked you to write about that and share that experience. And I thought, this is perfect because I know there are listeners out there who are like, hands raised, I want to work with teachers and I have. we don't have a formal structure for that. We don't even have formal um, partnerships. So how do we, so tell, tell us how, do you, how did it start? So I, I formerly was a kindergarten teacher and transitioned from being a kindergarten teacher at the same school to being an English language development teacher. And even with having 
kind of a close knit relationship with the kindergarten team. Once I transitioned to be the language teacher, there was just such a separation of what I was doing and what they were doing. And at that time I was teaching a wider variety of grade levels, um, kindergarten, first grade, third grade. And there was not, there was not a connect between what was happening in my 30 minute pullout class and what was taking place in the classrooms. There just was not communication. I wasn't aware of, you know, the units or topics or content that was being covered. And in my very first year, we had no articulated curriculum for our Palau program. And so it was more just kind of a history of thematic units. And I learned from the teacher who was my my partner at the time. And it was just really a, a separate, a separate thing. And what I would hear from classroom teachers is just kind of this, that whole thing is a mystery to us. We send our kids and we have no idea what's going on in your classroom. And then we get them back. And my sense was, I feel as though kids often have a sense of disconnect when, you know, oh, it's ELD time. Stop what you're doing. You know, they may be in the middle of something. They may have just started something. Right. They may be collaborating or working with another classmate. And then they have to just get up and go and then often when they get back to their classroom, they're expected to kind of just reintegrate into what's going on and they've missed work or they've missed, they may, they haven't missed core instruction because our program doesn't allow us, allow classroom teachers to teach core instruction during ELD time, but they've missed something. And sometimes it's even something fun, to be honest, you know, because classroom teachers can't do new content, they, they have to do something. And so it might be that, you know, kids get anywhere from some extra kind of downtime to additional writing time, or sometimes it's even art time, reading time. So no matter what it is, they've missed something. And, and my perspective was that can lead to our English learners feeling less part of the community exactly. or feeling like they stick out because they have to get up and leave. Um, and there's just a lot of mystery around um a lot of mystery and a lack of connection between content or general ed classrooms and ELD class. Um, and what kind of brought it to a head was that we did adopt an articulated program or curriculum for ELD um, district wide. And as a former kindergarten teacher, I was looking at the kindergarten lessons and realizing I was doing so much of what the classroom teachers were also doing, but there was no alignment. And so, you know, they would do a study on families and, and I would do a study on families, but it wasn't at the same time. And then they would do a study on kind of school and what it's like to be in school. And I would do the same thing, but it wasn't aligned. And I felt like there was just such a lost opportunity to be on the same page. Right. And I happened to have a new colleague who was a very experienced teacher. And she was the one who kind of brought up the idea of co-teaching. And I had... I didn't know anything about it. It wasn't part of our practice. It was something that the district had kind of looked into different models and what was effective and ultimately decided that would be great, but we're not really in a place kind of culturally where we're ready for it. So it's more on the back burner. And my, my colleague and I thought, why does it have to be on the back burner if we feel ready for this now? We, we want to be um, you know, in alignment with what the classroom teachers are doing. And we really want to work with them. And considering that 
the kindergarten team in particular had been my former team that I had worked with, I was really excited to kind of get get back with them. I think we all know that being a language teacher can be isolating. Yes. In that you you don't have the same teaming opportunities that grade level teams have. And I found that very much that I would go through my entire day and I would see a lot of kids and I love that. That's why I do my job, but I wouldn't interact with colleagues. And there, there's a, that for me felt like a piece of work that was missing that I wanted to kind of get back of having a team. Um, so because kind of collaborating and co-teaching were not, it's not that collaborating wasn't part of our process. It very much was for grade level teams, but having the language teacher part of that collaboration process was limited to certain meetings and certain elements, but not in an integrated way that the language teacher is part of planning on a weekly basis with the team. And so that's what we're really trying to, to move towards so that expectations for English learners were kind of understood across grade level teams and English learners were expected to speak and be an integrated part of classroom routines um, and not just have their language kind of taken care of during a 30 minute block. Um, so what we did is we started by talking to some administrators and requested some FaceTime with administrators to actually propose that our plan for co-teaching. Um, and then it took a lot of research on our end because it wasn't the norm. And so therefore we had no formal training or professional learning around kind of how language teachers can integrate into these collaborative practices. Um, four years later, I've read a ton on that. Thanks to Andrea Honigsfeld and Maria Dove. And um, they're basically, their books are what taught me what it means to collaborate as a language teacher yeah. and to co-teach and have language instruction fully integrated into content. Um, and really to this day, formalized training on that is kind of, it's just, it's starting and it's really getting going, but um, I'm excited that we were one of the schools that really pioneered it in, in the district. I love what you said. I wrote down like, uh, you don't have to wait for the district to be ready when you and your colleagues are ready. So I love that the fact that you just said, okay, you know what, we're going to do this. We want to do this. We don't know how, but we're going to do it anyways. Yeah. There's a, there's one of the articles I read when I was writing the chapter for Andrea, the author is Davidson. Can't remember the first name, but the author talks about how there's kind of different personalities when it comes to collaborating. And there are many people who feel like the status quo is, is great and that's what they're trying to maintain. And then there's a spectrum all the way to people who recognize that working together is what's best for kids. And that's, that's really where we were. And you're right. It doesn't, it's, it's not necessarily going to be that an entire school is ready at the same time. Right. And so what we're working with now in my district is finding those, those pockets where people are ready and then embracing that and, and using that as a foundation and a starting point for working towards the other end of that spectrum where we do know that working together and collaborating is best for, for all kids, but particularly our, our English learners. And that was, I have to praise your colleague who said, who, who was the, the veteran teacher. And she said, you know what, we, we want to do this. Do you want to do this with me? And she approached yeah. you and then, and then, yeah. you, and that's where, where it really, 
where collaboration can really start as a school. It starts with just one partnership. Yeah. You know, just you and her. And so yeah. I also want to say how the, though this though this uh, episode is not about talking about pullout, there is a space for pullout, but it's a really small uh-huh. space because uh-huh. you talked about the limitations of pulling out kids out. When you pull kids out, they feel like they're less than. They possibly can feel like they're possibly getting ma- curriculum that is watered down. In our research, we know that in the books we've read, it says usually that oftentimes pulling kids out can result in receiving uh, watered-down instruction. And and when we pull kids out, we really pull them away from what was happening. When they go back, they have to transition back. And they don't, they're missing out because what they're doing in class is rich opportunities to learn and use language. And I, I really commend the way that you said, you know what, we're doing the same thing. But let's align it together, and that's where you start. And I guess that's where, that's where, that's where the principle comes in. The, the principle is, uh, you find a small way to to collaborate, and, it, and in this way, it's just aligning curriculum. And then from there, you started having conversation with your teacher to say, how can we make this actually like possible for us to to teach together or to plan together. And tell us more about that. And after that, you she approached you. She said, okay, let's do this. Mm-hmm. So we basically did our research and put together some pertinent information about why co-teaching benefits English learners and, and how and kind of our, um, our bulleted points around what our goals were. And some of those things were, and, and we aim to start in kindergarten. That, that was where, since I had experiences as a kindergarten teacher and I was very familiar with the team, we just said, Let, let's start at kindergarten. We'll start with one grade level and see where it goes. And our goals were that our students in kindergarten could have more of an integrated day because they're so little. And having more time with a single teacher benefits them and their belonging in the classroom. Yes. And we wanted to have more alignment and expectations for what kindergarten language learners can do in the classroom. When I taught kindergarten, I can distinctly remember many beginner English learners who could have done a lot more. And now that I've learned so much about being a language teacher, I look back and think, wow, you know, that that child didn't talk a lot during their school day. And that child, when I would give a writing assignment, would sit there with a blank page and would not feel successful. And when I think about the classrooms that I'm working in now and the efficacy of the kids. I mean, it's, it's night and day and it's really a beautiful thing of shared expectations. And we had a lot of goals around what we really wanted to see. And we essentially did a a formal presentation for our director of curriculum instruction and then our teacher on special assignment who was overseeing um, title three at the time and our, our school principal. And we, I have to say our school principal was, very supportive from the get-go and really um, was kind of all in in supporting us but we needed to take the lead to kind of steer steer the ship or say what we were hoping there wasn't a lot of direction in terms of well this is what you could do this is what it could look like there were there was another school co-teaching but they were doing it in upper grades and so kindergarten is just very different so yeah we took it upon ourselves to kind of 
put put it together and we presented it and we were granted permission and essentially we we built the plane when we were on it um which is not necessarily something i would recommend <laughs> but at the same time if you're starting from a place where these collaborative practices are not in place you need to start somewhere yeah and it's a journey of discovering well this was successful well, this was not successful. How can we reflect and, and make changes? And over the course of four years, we are now in a place where the district is systematizing these practices right. in a big way. Right. And so things about the way that we started are changing and are no longer necessarily um, sufficient when we're moving towards systems change. But it was a great way to start and, and kind of get the ball rolling in terms of we want to be working together and we want to be on the same page in terms of what's happening in the classroom and, and what we're expecting for our for our English learners. So you did an actual like a formal process where you had to do a presentation, you had to do the research, and that's probably why you started the book club because you started reading it. You started reading Andrew's uh, collaborating that is the time right. that is exactly the right. time when right. i said i want to read this book and you said let's do let's it now, that was basically the beginning of the ll chapel club all things happen for a reason because you're researching mm -hmm. it and i was like okay mm -hmm. let's read it together and so you yeah. so you researched it you put the information together you presented to your admin and district leaders they said yes mm -hmm. and then you started to figure it out and then what did you start figuring out as you were doing it so part of our plan was to think about if we were, and our intention was not just to collaborate, but to collaborate and, and co-teach yeah. so that the yeah. instruction, the service delivery model for ELs and kinder would be co-taught. And we had put together a plan of our intention for kind of the content area and where we would, would we would be aligning our language instruction within their curriculum. And we had, we had done that in advance. And then it came the time we were granted permission and it was kind of, okay, go, you're allowed. That's and it, that's easy. We, we started with just observing. Yeah, so okay. what I have discovered is that is as the language teacher, I'm collaborating with a lot of different teachers and we always have the goal of kind of consistency across grade level, but you have four, in my case, four different classrooms and the teachers are different. They're different. They have different management systems. They have different preferences. They have different styles. And so as the language teacher, I kind of think of it as being a chameleon. You, you need to adapt and, and be what is needed for that particular classroom at that particular time. So I went in and just observed the classroom teachers. And at that time, it was only two kindergarten classrooms. And then the rest of my instruction was still pull out. But we that was our first initial step and I just watched them teach and got a sense of okay. what their management practices were, what their expectations were, what it looks like in kindergarten for those students, who were their English learners, what levels were they, what did their participation and integration look like in the classroom. And I kind of just took notes and surveyed what was going on with Andrea's co-teaching models in mind of what, what could this look like? Yeah. Um, because co-teaching can look very different depending right. on the age level, depending on the structures you really want. The instructional you know, you need of the lesson, yes. 
you could be teaching together fully or you could be working in station rotation and that's kind of what I was looking to see what might work. Right. It's and not just the front was, of the classroom. Mm -hmm. like, and yeah, go ahead. What was really helpful is the teachers that I, I started collaborating with were so flexible. Great. And they were really, they were on board. And, and, and that was another thing I didn't talk about when we did our presentation was we needed to find content teachers or classroom teachers who were on board to do this. Because what we've learned from Andrea and Maria and a lot of research on collaboration is you, you really can't force the relationship. It, yeah. it has to be something that people are willing and excited for yeah. and that we all felt in a place where we were all really excited and willing to collaborate and work together and learn from one another. And that's, that's a huge piece of the puzzle. But I worked with teachers who were exceptionally flexible in that they, they knew at that point in time, they had not had any training on collaboration and co-teaching. Right, right. I had not had any formal right. training, but I had, you know, right. <laughs> thanks to Andrea and Maria, I had read and I had a, a good foundation of knowledge and they kind of let me take the lead to guide what it could look like and were very flexible in trying things. Yeah. And so we agreed on our kind of the model that we would try. And initially all of our collaboration was via email because wow. I am a part-time employee and I was not at school anytime that they were not with students. And so we, that was our method. We literally emailed back and forth. Um, it's a lot of guiding but what was very helpful is their um, curriculum guide for the entire year, which yeah. they have always operated from. And so their organization was very helpful to me to be able to see, okay, I know what they're going to be covering this week. So I don't have to email them and ask them. I can look at the curriculum digitally and I can see what they're going to be covering. And I can come in with some language ideas and strategies. And that's where we would go from. And I can't think of a single idea that I suggested that they said, no, I don't think so. They were very flexible. So I think kind of that open-mindedness and flexibility is really, really important because I was not an expert in figuring this out either. And so I was coming with ideas, but it was, it was very fluid because we kind of all realized we're all in this and this is new. Right. This is, this is not something we've done before. Mm -hmm. So we're going to be very kind and forgiving. And yeah, it was all via email. And at the time, you know, we justified this is working because we really wanted it to work. And this is our fourth year. And this is the first year we've had face-to-face co-planning time. <gasps> we learned that we needed to advocate for that. Yes. Um, I was doing a lot of work on my own time from my home. Yes. And it's, it's been a journey of ad advocacy because we're trying things and doing things and starting systems that aren't, they're not the norm. And so if, if you make it seem like it works without face-to-face co-planning time, nobody's going to know that face-to-face co-planning time really should be an integral part of it. Essential. So I started from a place of I'm going to make this work no matter what, because I want it to work and I'm going to do extra work and I'm going to put in time. So then when you start to systematize, you have to think about what's going to work system-wide right. and system-wide co-planning time or face-to-face -face collaboration really is an important piece of the puzzle. Right. Right. 
And so we that is now with we have a new a wonderful new Title III director who is a strong advocate for collaboration and co-teaching, who is now working to systematize these practices and make them more widespread. And that is one of the we use the phrase loose and tight. You know, what are the things that need to be in place? What are the things that can be flexible across different scenarios? And the, the co-planning time is one of the, the tights that that's right. something that's really essential for teams to come together to be able to discuss and plan and, and work together. There are two things I want to say when you were talking, you talked about working with like your, you kept saying your teachers are so flexible. They're so willing. And I would say, if you're in Katie's position where you are in a school where there's no co-teaching, co-planning happening, start with the teachers who are most flexible, who are most willing, because then that is, you're pushing the rock downhill instead of pushing it uphill, right? Because yeah. it's already hard enough if you don't have that coach area at the school. Yeah. And then the second thing you said is that you advocated for co-planning, because I know that in our field, everyone's like co-teaching, co-teaching, co-teaching. That's what I thought it was like, Teacher collaboration meant co-teaching, but now I really, really, I think is that co-teaching is just the fruit of really intentional co-planning. Like what yeah. people see as, oh, you're doing really great work, but it's 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 rooted in the great work that happens in person co-planning. And I say I, I delineate between two things. If I have planned with you, then I co-teach. If I haven't planned with you and I'm in your class, that's called in-class support. So I'm yeah. supporting instruction, but not, that's not really yeah. co-teaching. I just happen to be in the room sharing the same space, working with the same kids. I'm supporting yes. you in the instruction, but there's no yes. co-teaching because we haven't co-planned. And, that's right. and there's, I think there's also room for baby steps. And yes. I think that's a very important piece to consider. Yes. So for example, um, there is, because of the co-planning opportunity we've been given. Yes. I, I'm a part-time employee, but I work a full day, one day a week so that I have time to connect with my colleagues. And because of that, I have additional time in the afternoon to support classrooms. And so I put out an email who's interested in, you know, connecting and having support. And in one third grade classroom, I go in once a week, we focus on vocabulary and we do collaborate via email to plan a lesson that we deliver together. And it's a baby step because it's not, it's not a full planning of the entire week. It's not in person, but it is coming together to, to talk about, okay, here's, here's the focus for the week. Here are the vocabulary. Here's the content work that the teacher is going to be working on. Here's the language strategies we can use. Here's the game we can bring in. Here's the sentence patterning chart idea. And we talk about those things. I prep the materials and come and we teach, students together, but it's also an opportunity for a classroom teacher to see some strategies in action yeah. and kind of a, a low stakes. This teacher has not committed to being my co-teaching partner for every day of the week, you know, for the entire year, but it's a way to kind of see what it looks like because if that team or that teacher is presented with an opportunity to be a team where ELD is through co-taught instruction, that, that, that person might be a little bit more willing because they've gotten a taste of what it looks like and what it feels like. And then that person might be an advocate who shares with their team, you know what, this is actually really great. Here's something that I've learned. Here's the way that it's benefited my students. Here's a strategy I picked up. And then you kind of find your allies and it, I feel like it, it spreads a little bit. 
you were talking about when you find your allies, you talked about just starting small. I think in the business world, they have something, I'm going to mess up this acronym, but I think it's uh, small as viable product. I, but in, and, and I wrote down, uh, for us, it's the smallest viable relationship. Mm-hmm. Like starting small, just doing whatever yeah. you can. Is it maybe that, can I plan with you once or can I co-teach with you once? Like it's, you're right. It's not co-teaching every single lesson, every single day, but it's just mm-hmm. starting off with, okay, what can we do here in this moment? Yeah, it could be just, it could even be, you know, informal conversations of coming together to talk about what what could be different, what could support students. And it doesn't have to be a formal process, but it's just connecting. It's connecting so that, um, the language, like I, I feel like I, as the language teacher, have so much more understanding of what is expected for my English learners. So that, I mean, I was familiar with kindergarten because I had taught it, but there are a lot of grade levels I have not taught. Right. So when I would get second or third grade English learners or fourth or fifth grade English learners in a pullout group, I was not aware of what their teachers expected in terms of their writing right. quality. What does narrative writing look like right. in fifth grade? I didn't know. I hadn't taught it and I could look at the standards, but you know, I, I was teaching something, I was teaching kind of a structure around, um, I think it was opinion writing and stating the opinion, giving the reasons and wrapping up by restating the opinions. And then I heard from uh, an EL colleague, oh gosh, the fifth grade teachers hate that recipe type formula. And I thought, I, I didn't know that. I felt like it was a good way to teach. The, this is the repeated structure and expectation. And then come to find out they're trying to get their kids away from that. And so it's a disconnect. And when you don't have those opportunities to kind of align expectations, you know, it just, it's, it's not doing the best for our children when they go to one classroom and the teacher says, do this. And then they go to another classroom and the teacher says, do that. Yeah. It reminds me of just saying it might be as simple as coming together and clarifying your expectations. And when we clarify our expectations, uh, we really raise student achievement. It's, it's like what John Handy says. It's, it's teacher clarity is one of the highest uh, factors that support student achievement. And I think that the other important piece of it that I'm thinking as you're saying that is it's not just so that the language teacher can take on the responsibility of connecting and being aware of the content in the classroom. It's a two-way street that the classroom teachers are taking the responsibility of they are also teachers of language mm-hmm. because the children spend more time in their content yes. classrooms and with their, their, their general education teachers. Yes. And so, you know, historically for some, the mindset is the children go to their ELD class and that's where their language instruction is handled. And then they come back and you know, maybe they struggle, but there's kind of that lack of connection that every teacher is responsible for teaching language. We've seen on Twitter, I can't remember the name of it, but shout out to the PE teacher who has the content and language objectives because there's a place for language in all content areas. And so that collaborative piece is really, um, you know, making sure that all teachers embrace their role as language teachers because there's language of science and there's language of math and it needs to be integrated throughout the day and the the individuals who are in that role of language specialist do have a lot to be able to share 
so that we can all do this work. We need to be teachers of language. Everyone is a teacher of language. What does that mean? But when you have, when they have an EO teacher, an EO teacher working together, our role is to support that and, and to help what that really means. Oh, you're a PE teacher? There's language in PE. Here, yeah. let me show you how to pull it out. Or let's work together to pull out the language that is in PE, the language that you want kids to use about body parts, the language that you want them to use about uh, patterns and synchronization and timing and collaboration. There's a language around that and teamwork. So mm -hmm. you're just making it clearer for them. And, and that's another reason why we, we collaborate because they might not know, but and our expertise is to, to come in and say, oh, here's the language piece. I remember in Twitter, someone said, uh, it, they're not, teachers are not afraid of uh, changes. They're afraid of not being supported in making the changes. And I think teachers are also concerned about the unknown. Yeah. That um, I've never, you know, the typical classroom teacher has never had an opportunity to observe what a language class looks like. And so, you know, back to before we started our process of kind of collaborating and co-teaching, there's this, I've heard teachers say, I have no idea what goes on in your classroom. And even I tried very hard to send information about what I was doing and kind of give maybe a, a unit guide to the teacher so they could get an idea of the vocabulary and the language things we're working mm, on. Yeah. But for teachers who haven't kind of gone through an endorsement or, I mean, we know in, in teacher prep, there's not a lot of content on language development and, and how it works. And so many teachers have not had exposure to that. And so then it becomes scary. I mean, I, I haven't had extensive coursework in um, teaching, you know, mathematics at a high level. And so if, if you asked me to do that, I would feel nervous. I would feel like I was not going to be effective and right. I would probably be resistant. Right. Even to teach a grade level I haven't taught, I would be worried about it. So there's kind of this nervousness around what they don't know. And so there, there needs to be ways to make it visible and kind of just user friendly that it's it's not it's not unknown and scary and you can do it but you need to have avenues to kind of see how it works and have those opportunities to talk about it or see it in action so it becomes less kind of scary, scary. yeah serious. scary manageable and that's why yeah. when we we work together one of the first things we have to do is not try to drive at what is the content it's saying let's establish really positive relationships together mm -hmm. because teaching yeah. is a really vulnerable experience when we usually mm -hmm. it's an isolating experience where we work with our kids, we close our doors and we really don't collaborate. But mm -hmm. as we shift towards more co collaborative teaching, it, it requires us to be like, oh, okay, I'm going to be vulnerable. This is going to be challenging. This is yeah. going to be scary. It is hard. Yeah, it is hard. And it's just, it takes, like our first role is really to make sure that we are lowering all the effective filters for teachers and not just students. You know, in our field, yeah. we talk about effective filter, lower it, lower it for kids so that they can participate and learn. Uh, we need to do the same thing for our, our homeroom teachers, but we lower the effective filter and say, I am not here to evaluate your practice. I'm not here to That's criticize very you. Important. Right. Yes. I just talked to uh, Jim Knight, and he's the one of the he he wrote the book called 
high impact teaching. And he says, please, as coaches, if you're collaborating, please do not go in and the first thing you do is offer advice. We need to listen first. And that's one of yes. the best things we could do yes. to develop a relationship and saying, tell me what you want. Let me listen to what you want to do. Instead of saying, yes. hey, here's how to do it. And this is why it goes back to advocating for in-person co-planning time. How did you advocate for that? Um, Unless you want to talk about this, something else. No, I was going to say one more thing about no. um, just being able to learn. There's a huge benefit that I experience in going into, currently I go into eight, well, actually 10 different classrooms, oh eight of them consistently every week. But the grade level team, I mean, typically doesn't have an opportunity to see each other teaching. No. So I can go into this kindergarten classroom yes. and see a very experienced, talented teacher do this. And then I can share carry that with me yes. and use it in another classroom yes. or share, yes. shout out that colleague yes. to another colleague and say, Hey, she's doing this and it's great. And it really worked. And yes. I thought that was great. And so it's, it's a huge way to share expertise, not just my expertise, because right. I don't know everything. Right. I'm not the, I'm not the grade level expert. They're the grade level experts and they have so much that they could benefit from learning from yes. each other. And I can kind of just be the, the conveyor of, yes. Hey, Ooh, and I learn about using technology from this teacher yes. and this yes. teacher is not using it as much, but this teacher made it really clear to me how to use it for this age group. And so I'm going to borrow that and bring it to this classroom. Yes. And it just, it's a great way for everyone to learn from each other. And that's, that's really cool. My principal said that we, so in my school, the EL teachers, so we have one for every grade. And so I'm the designated EL teacher for my, for fifth grade. So I work with five teachers and he said, EL teachers in the school are like the glue of every grade, grade level you really you're the only one that is able to see all the kids and you're the only ones that are able to work with all the teachers and the phrase that i often use in my i notice when i'm co-planning with teachers i say oh in teacher x's room we're doing this i'm saying oh i noticed that, the, that teacher c's room we're doing this do you mm -hmm. want to try that too and i noticed that when i co-plan with the really one of my relationships that i'm working with is a really collaborative one and uh she often shares what we're doing together in our co-planning time. She shares it with the other teachers and then the other teachers pick it up. So I'll, I'll go to their room and I'll, and I'll, and I will start planning it. And the teacher will say, Oh yeah, I heard you did this with the other teacher. Can you tell me more about it? Cause I want to do the same thing. And it's like, Oh, this is what we mean by you say plant where there's fertile soil, right? When this, when yeah. soil is good, when the soil is fertile, like, plant there because then it's more likely to, to sprout. And that's what you were doing. You started off with the teacher who was most willing and then it'll, it'll spread. How did you advocate for co-planning? Um, I think I got to a point where, well, district wide, we hired a new title three director and he has been very instrumental in really making some positive changes for the benefit of our English learners. Wow. And this summer we had kind of a group of teachers of a variety in a variety of roles, um, all the way up through high school talking about systematizing co-teaching and, and sharing about our experiences, positive and negative about yeah. collaboration and co-teaching to come up with kind of a district guide around, what, what does this look like? Because 
in the past, you know, we were really pioneering. And as I said, we kind of built the plane when we were on it. And whereas we did have success, you know, there's always room for improvement and there's the need to have it not be just whatever, wherever, and kind of loosey goosey in everyone's just figuring it out. We can capitalize on what people have learned in the years that some schools have been co-teaching, right. including what doesn't work. Cause that's a huge piece of the, the figuring out what to do is, well, this did not work. Mm -hmm. If you force people to do it, it's going to be problematic. So that's something that we've really embraced. There needs to be that intention and willingness to, to work together. Um, and just in part of that, it, one of the tights came of co-planning time. And so that made me feel like we need to have this time to sit down and do it. And mm -hmm. I transitioned from working with two teachers at each grade level to the whole team. Oh, wow. And so just to have that kind of consistency right. and right. we had a, um, just some people changing roles in the school and I really felt like, yeah, this, this is something that I really want. I want to be able to sit with the teachers I work with and have that connection. And it's been really, really wonderful. It's wonderful because it's a whole team. And so you, yes. you're part of the team and you're not just an extra. You're not just a specialist. They don't see you as, oh, yeah, the kids just go to Katie and then they come back. It's, oh, no, Katie is part of our team and she's the expert in language acquisition. She helps us understand, see our content through language and see what we have to do through language. And so you have a really integral role in, in holding up the arch for, for kids. I guess the, my, my analogy is like, I see you started with a seed that then grew into a tree and now you're working with a forest, right? And, that, and that's the system that you're working with a grade level. And so that's really, in, how did you move to a grade level? Um, just, Kind of because of um, changes in uh, staffing and making sure that everyone involved was on board. Okay. Great. So you so there are new teachers and you made sure you hired them and said, hey, we really want you to uh, collaborate. This is how our model that, you, are you. Okay. Mm -hmm. so yeah. We, we, yeah. So that, that is something that we, that is something that we, when there are staffing changes, at those grade levels where co-teaching is in place, that is something that we ask about and and have a, that's something we inquire about when we're interviewing because that's very important right. to, um, it, it, these systems are in place. And so it would be really hard to have somebody come in and then be unwilling to, or, you know, unwilling to collaborate or kind of resistant to it. If, you're, if your school doesn't have collaborative structures yet, maybe you can start by working with your principal to hire people who are co uh, collaboration, uh, pro-collaboration, collaboration mm -hmm. fr friendly, so that when they yeah. come to school next year and they start, you can work together right there. And they already have that orientation towards collaboration. That's mm -hmm. another way of saying it. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the wave that we're moving towards is yeah. this this is an expectation right. that we need to be collaborative right. because we learn from each other. Right. And particularly, I've been co-teaching in grade levels where the content is not at a level that's challenging for me to learn. But if I were to 
start collaborating with fourth and fifth grade in depending on the content area, there would be a lot of content that I would not be the expert in. Those teachers are the ones who have been teaching that mm -hmm. content for years right. and know, you know, know kind of the standards that they need to teach and, and what students need to understand. And so it really is that, you know, Andrea and Maria call it a marriage, but a marriage where each person is an equal partner in contributing because it's not all about the language. It's about content and language together. together. Yes. And that's why it's so important for you to be part of the planning meeting where you could bring, here's the content, here's the language, they're together. Yeah. You need language. It's like an in-breath, like content is the in-breath, and language is the out-breath, and you can't live with one of the, just one or the other, so it's together. Mm -hmm. Katie, you've given us a lot already, and this is so great. You've talked about, you brought your journey from having no collaboration to then moving with two teachers, then moving to a grade level, and now you're thinking about creating a culture, like you're supporting your principal in creating the culture of collaboration. That's huge. In just two years. Two, three four years. years. Four years. Four years. Yeah, it's been four. This so it is takes, our fourth year. Right. So it takes so it takes effort and takes just tending and tending to, to that ground. Yes. And and I would also add just a lot of advocating. Yes. We we asked and emailed and advocated until the very literally the day we were supposed to start our pullout groups because we wanted to add another grade level and we kept advocating and advocating and we were supposed to start groups and finally we got word from the district that okay you can add another grade level and again you know we always kind of just started and hit the ground running and just were ready for anything but we yeah we you you kind of have to be pushy sometimes and really speak up for what you know is right so when you say advocating, 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 it's, it's this is what the tangible action is. You had your teachers work together with you to come to the principal who then came to the district level leader to mm -hmm. ask them for that. So it's not just bugging with emails. It's like you actually had a system yeah. of like teams, yeah. principal, leadership, mm -hmm. and district level and at leadership. The, at the end of our first year, we met again with the leadership and brought results and yeah. brought data from our, our test scores and our classroom samples and shared and said, look at how successful these children were. We, we want to continue. They've had this in kindergarten. We want them to experience this in first grade too. And you know, it, it's not, you're not always met with an easy yes. Sometimes you're met with a no. And then you have to think about what do you do then? Do you accept that? Or do you, continue advocating and finding and a different way until you find the mm -hmm. yes. Yeah. And is it, is it finding research? Is it, um, you know, giving student, student um, interviews or having the students talk right. about how it affected right. them? Is it grades? Is it work samples? Is it parent um, input? Right. There's so many access points to be able to say why, why this is beneficial. And you, you might need to continue and not, you know, it, if you get a no or if you are in a place where there is resistance, um, you know, it's it's a, an important process of reflecting on where you are and goals and where you'd like to see things go. And change is slow. Sometimes that is something that bothers me. Change can be glacial. Right. And, right. you know, it's like, but no, I want this. This is I, I want this to happen now. Right. And you have you you have to be respectful 
of the people who are not there yet. Right. Because it's a, it's a journey. It's a process. And rather than forcing it or trying to jump from point A to point C, you need to find what will be effective to get people to in their time move from A to B and then from B to C. You have to respect the timing. You do. And the timing means respect their willingness and their readiness. But our job is to continue to create positive uh, interactions with them. I think Michael Bonner said, uh, you cannot withdraw from a relationship that you haven't invested in. Right? Mm-hmm. And so we can, and, and I tell teachers, every interaction is either a deposit or withdrawal. And so before we have a collaborative relationship, we have to have positive interactions with our teachers first. Mm-hmm. Well, Katie, I'm going to end this podcast. Well, there's five more minutes, but I just want to say first, you not only help teachers by creating the book club, writing your chapters, but you also do this in your school. And like, I think this experience is so important for you to for you to have gone through this, but because of that, now you could share with us how you started it from the grassroots level. So thank you for that. And so and so every time I meet with you and talk to you, even though it's oh, we've only met in person once to work on a project, I'm always like step back. I'm like, whew, I'm gonna tell you that is whew, she is one a an amazing person. Thank you. Welcome. That means a lot coming from you because I would say the same thing about you. <laughs> I'm always like starstruck. I'm like, oh my God, Katie Topple, she exists. <laughs> and the way you have nurtured our community to get, like to go come around these texts to support their practice. It's so, so, we're so grateful for that. So this is how I want to end the podcast officially. I ended with something called traffic light teaching. It's a metaphor. Uh, It's you giving three advice for uh, teachers. It's red, one, something that in a traffic light, red means stop. So what is something you ask teachers to stop doing as much as possible? And then yellow is slow down now. What's something that you you would ask teachers to start questioning about their practice? And green is like, yep, green light, go for this. Do this as much as possible. Which would be your red, yellow, and green? In In terms of practice in the classroom? Instruction, teaching, anything. Okay. Um, Let's see. Uh, Can I start with green? Yeah. Okay. High expectations for English learners. They can. They can do it. Um, It might require scaffolding on the part of the teacher, but they can do it. And so expectations for English learners should be high. Yeah. Yellow would be think and reflect on how um, how the voice of English learners shows up in your classroom in terms of opportunities to talk and opportunities to share their voice, their thinking, their experiences and be seen because our English learners need to be seen in our classrooms to be seen in the resources we give them, the text, the videos, the articles that we show them. Are they first being seen in mm-hmm. the, the things we're teaching? Yeah. But also that they're they're fully integrated in terms of participating and sharing in yes. their comfort level to yes. speak in breaking down the wall. That statistic of ELs spend 2% of their day <laughs> engaged in academic conversation makes me think 
we need, that's something we really need to reflect on just because they're learning English doesn't mean they should be silent as they do so. Um, even students who are newcomers or beginners need to have opportunities to interact with the content and demonstrate output in some form. And it's our job to support them in doing so. Um, red, what would I have teachers stop doing? I would, it kind of pairs with my, my green, but stop maybe the, the pobrecito effect or the giving students a pass because they're English learners. So that, that designation or that label does not in any way imply that a student cannot do it. Um, I know in my teaching past, I would feel like if a student did something and if an English learner did something and it was wrong, I would be worried about hurting their feelings and I would give them a pass or not make the effort to say, no, this is how it needs to be done. Or this is what you needed to do because I I didn't want to hurt their feelings and make them feel like, feel bad that they did it wrong or that they um, hadn't met my expectation. So giving the pass or feeling like, Ooh, I don't want to hurt their feelings or I don't want to make them feel bad. We need to have those high expectations. So we can't, we can't accept that our English learners sit in our classroom silently. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Just or that they are not fully integrated members of our classroom communities. And that's again, going back to where we first started, we're talking about how do we make pull out maybe more integrated? And and Pauline Gibbons says, um, high expectations, high support. So let's keep our high expectations high, just like we have for our kids who are non-language learners, English language learners. We just have to support them more. And we have to be prepared to do it. And that is our role. And this is where teacher collaboration comes in to support teachers to keep the expectations high. And our job is to support, uh, scaffold that. So mm-hmm. thank you, Katie, again, for your time. And I, we, you are such a bright light in our field. And we keep following wherever you lead us. Thank you so much for having me on. It was really fun. <laughs> of course. Before we recap this episode, I have a favor and an invitation. My favor is to ask you to please review this podcast if you found it valuable so that teachers like you become inspired and informed in their advocacy work. My invitation is for you to enroll in my scaffolding learning or teacher collaboration courses. I've taken the principles that I've learned from experts in the field I've applied them to my classes. I kept the things that work and I'm sharing all of them in these courses. I hope you consider enrolling. Now onto our recap. I have a quote that I often share with teachers about teacher collaboration. We might be 50% of the relationship, but we must walk through 100% of the doors. Doors meaning opportunities. This is what Katie did. When a colleague invited Katie to co-teach, Katie took that opportunity, even though she had never done it before. And even though her school district has very little experience implementing teacher collaboration on a formal level. This is what it means to start teacher collaboration from scratch. We have to take every opportunity to abandon pull-out services and keep language learners inside the classroom to learn alongside their peers. 
when a colleague is open to this, take that as an opportunity, take that as an open door and walk through it. Another thing I want to point out is advocating for face-to-face collaboration time. Dr. Katie Topol collaborated for the first three years via email. And this year, there was now time to co-plan. Again, we cannot effectively co-teach if we do not have face-to-face co-planning time. I mean, if you're really stretched for time, yes, of course, you can co-plan virtually, but make sure as much as possible, still have face-to-face co-planning time. One other suggestion is to use your mobile phone, use different apps to send voice messages to your co-teacher. This is another way to plan asynchronously. Even if you're starting from scratch, co-teach less to co-plan more. Brian Tracy said, there is never enough time to do everything, but there is always enough time to do the most important thing. Katie also did something that was very crucial. She went and talked to her admin, her leadership team for permission, but also to get them to advocate for teacher collaboration. A teaching partnership at one grade level or one teaching partnership can blossom and bloom to a school-wide approach. Sometimes we work with a structure and other times we create the structure as we go. I hope that Katie's story inspires you to find an open door to walk through. Who knows, you might open the door for others to follow as well. In this next episode, we will have international school educator and author, Aaron Dupree, share co-teaching from a secondary school perspective in a school system without formal co-teaching. Thank you for listening. I'll see you soon. Be safe and be rooted in peace. It's your turn to play Traffic Light Teaching. Tweet at me either your red, yellow, or green light from this particular episode. You're